So this morning, um, we're going to look at Psalm 29. I read it a little bit ago. We're going to read it again because I think there's, particularly with the Psalms, I don't know why, there's, there's something about the Psalms being read uh, out loud in a community uh, that there's something powerful about that that, um, that I love. So we're going to do it again. Psalm 29, you'll find the, the words behind me. Uh, you'll find them on the screen at home or wherever you are. Uh, before we do it, let's pray. Oh God, once again, we come before you and we quiet ourselves. And we, we just take a moment to remind ourselves that, that we're not here for ourselves, that we come here to, we come here to let ourselves go. Come here to surrender, to let ourselves go so that, so that you might do whatever it is you have in store for us. You might do whatever it is you want to do in our lives. We come here expecting change, expecting transformation, expecting for you to move us, expecting that you'll do the work necessary in our hearts and our souls to make us look more like Jesus, to make this community become more like Jesus so that we can be your presence in this community and beyond. So humble those parts of us that we don't want to humble. Help us to let go of those parts of us that we don't want to let go of so that so that you might do what you need to do in us. Open us up, help us hear your voice, and pay attention to your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Psalm 29, again, ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The, the voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The, the voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple all cry, glory, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood, over the chaos that we experience in this world. The Lord is enthroned above that forever. 
The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people among all the chaos we experience in this world. The Lord blesses his people with shalom, with peace. So good, isn't it? So, some of you might be relieved to know that on my first day of classes, this is 20 years ago, at Western Theological Seminary, I, along with all the other students, we, uh, we were given a psychological screening, right? After which they still let me stay in seminary, so that's a good news. That's good news. Now, a lot of time has passed between then and now, like 20 years-ish, uh, and today, I don't know if they'd make that same decision, but here we are. Um, now, here's the deal. I remember thinking about this psychological screening that was super interesting. It contained two different parts. There was a written questionnaire part of it, and there was also a, uh, an in-person, hour-long interview with a psychologist. And the interview with the psychologist went really well because I learned some things about myself that I might not otherwise have known that have been uh, a little bit helpful. Um, probably a while ago than now, because I don't really remember how that conversation went anymore. Uh, but, but I remember it being really helpful at the time. But the questionnaire was different. That was a whole... Have any of you taken psychological questionnaires before screenings? They're really fascinating, right? And some of these questions um, that they ask on this questionnaire, and they, they ask the same things in multiple different ways. And some of them, I was like... I don't know if this really matters, right? I don't, I don't know. Some of them seemed a little bit silly to me uh, at the time, right? And here are some of the questions. Questions went, that went like this. Um, do you ever feel like you're being followed? And it's like, I don't know, should I? Sometimes, right? It makes you feel different, right? And questions like this, do you feel like people are out to get you? I don't know. Should I feel like people are out to get me? Maybe, sometimes, right? And you can tell that they're after really deep things, right? Things that might require some attention, things like paranoia, things like delusions. It would be good, things that would require some extra attention in someone's life, right? Important things to know. And one question that was asked more than any other question was, was one that went like this in several different ways. Do you ever hear voices inside your head? Do you ever, like there's a person in there, a, a, little, a little man or a little woman or a little person or a crowd of people inside your head that, that are talking to you and do you ever listen to them and have conversations with them? You know, in our world, in our culture, it, it isn't understood to be a good thing if you hear voices in your head. Right? If you hear voices in your head, then there's something going on. Right? If you obey the voices in your head, if you have conversations with the voices in your head, then there's something more going on here that requires extra attention. You might need to be institutionalized, so on and so forth. So don't talk to the voices in your head. Ignore them completely. I wonder, as we've been taught to sort of dismiss the movements and the words and the voice of our inner spirit. I wonder what that does to us, to almost be afraid of it. It might explain why some things take place in the world. We ignore that inner voice, 
Only a deafness to the inner voice would allow someone to go into massage parlors and take the lives of innocent people. Only a deafness, only inner earplugs to that inner voice would allow CEOs of big banks and other companies to like totally dissolve the company and take a big golden parachute while they're while they're destroying the lives of others. Only a deafness to the inner voice would allow somebody to go to a gas station with plastic grocery bags and fill them with gasoline and take them home. Are you with me? They had to be ignoring that inner voice. Maybe those are the kinds of things that happen along with others when when we ignore the inner voice. Is the inner voice really all that bad? Here's the deal. We're talking about voices. The poet who penned this psalm we read just a few minutes ago found the voice of God impossible to ignore. If you really pay attention to this psalm, you cannot ignore the voice of God. For this person, this poet, the voice of God was was no still small whisper in your ear or a voice inside your head. God's voice was a booming voice that shook the world with its power and its creative presence. This poet leaves no doubt about the power, about the command, about the authority of this voice, the creative presence of this voice. Just look at how he describes the voice. Let me just give you how he describes it. This voice is powerful. This voice is majestic. This voice makes the great cedars in Lebanon snap in half. This voice makes the desert wilderness shake and tremble, twists mighty oaks together, and then strips them bare. Seven times the poet describes the voice. Seven times we hear about the power and the strength of this voice. This voice for the poet is the unmistakable voice of God, of the divine. This is the voice. This isn't the voice that comes from within you, inside of you. This is the voice that comes from outside ourselves, outside our spirits. This is the voice that comes from outside our souls. This voice is the movement of the Holy Spirit erupting like the winds of a hurricane. This voice moves things. This voice subdues things. This voice creates things. This voice transforms every little thing and every big thing in all of creation with with the awesome power of its vibrations. So I think if we're paying attention to this psalm, if we're paying attention to any of this at all, it should shock our senses. In fact, I think this psalm is meant to shake us, to wake us up. And just look at the verbiage in this thing. Almost all the verbs in this psalm are connected with the voice. Let me give them to you. The voice breaks, breaks, makes, strikes, shakes, shakes, twists, strips. Powerful verbs, right? There's there's no mistaking that. But, But I want us to notice the end of the psalm too, because it doesn't end on this note of overwhelming power. Verse 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with shalom, with peace. When I wrestle with my boys on the floor, which is a really fun thing to do, but when I wrestle with my boys on the floor, 
because I'm such a big, strong, manly man. Mm. I have to contain some of my strengths because I want to keep them safe, right? When I wrestle with my boys on the floor, I have to hold back because their safety is my concern, right? And I think God makes God's power manageable for us. Keeps it at a, keeps it at a strength that we can handle because otherwise we would be totally overwhelmed. And I think that that's God's gift to us, strength and resources beyond our own capabilities, all because of this voice. You know what we have going on in this psalm? This psalm, the poet, is tapping into a strongly held and deep tradition within the Jewish faith that we have now inherited because we're also people of this book. And that deep, powerful, deeply held tradition is this. The voice of God is always reverberating throughout all of creation, holding all things together. It's kind of mystical, and I like it. Like the poet reaches back into the creation story, Genesis 1, two different times. Once in verse 3, and another time in verse 10. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood, over the chaos, right? And when this poet used those words, it would have pricked the imaginations of the people who listened to them for the very first time, and they would have been right back to Genesis 1. By the way, Genesis 1 is referred to time and time and time and time again and again and again and again all throughout the Bible, Right? So in this instance, if you think about Genesis 1, the Spirit hovers over the waters. And then if you go to, go to the voice, God speaks. God says, let there be light, let there be plants, let there be animals, let there be human beings, and it all comes into being. So without the thundering voice of God, all of creation would cease to exist. That's the tradition we're talking about. Without the voice of God, everything would cease to exist. The voice of God is what keeps the universe spinning and growing and expanding and becoming even more beautiful than it was the moment before. Friends, this is just another way to represent the closeness of God. This is just another way to represent the intimacy that God has with all of creation. And look, here's the deal. This is sort of a, this reality is sort of a different way of thinking for us. All of us would affirm that's what we believe, that God is that close. In fact, God lives inside of us and works in us and through us, and God is always present. Not, most of us in this place would affirm that reality, right? But I don't think that's the worldview out of which we normally operate. I don't. I confess, I don't think I normally operate out of this worldview, God's voice holds all things together all the time. God is that intimate. God is that close to us right here, right now, in this moment. The thing that's holding all of my cells together makes my heart beat, my, my lungs breathe. That isn't necessarily how we normally think about the world. 
and how it works. Because most of us have been given a different sort of worldview. A worldview like the world is a closed system and it sort of runs on itself. It just goes. Almost like God set up creation like a billiards table, like a pool table. Hit the cue ball, there's this big bang that happens when it hits the rest of the billiard balls, and they go flying in their trajectories, and they just keep going in their natural order of things, because that's how God set the thing up. And then God, only every once in a while, from the outside, sort of reaches in, and like, that, cube, that, that pool ball needs to go in a different direction. And God just sort of, or, like, creation was, was set up almost like it's a big machine, like a car engine. And only every once in a while, when something goes wrong, God will reach in from the outside and tinker with the gears and fix whatever it is that's, that's wrong in the world. Like we'll even hear people talk about God in certain ways. We'll use language. Like when something special happens, or when something really exciting or magnificent happens in our lives, we'll, we'll talk about it like this. And then God showed up. And then God showed up? Well, where was God before God showed up? How does that work? And why did God show up for that person in that moment for that purpose and not show up for a lot of other people who could have used a lot of God showing up at that point too? So in all of these examples, the language we use, how we talk about God, God is sort of the outsider, God is the outsider and only every once in a while sort of shows up or reaches in or does whatever it is that, that God does. Listen to what Rob Bell says about this way of thinking. Do you see what this leads to? This conception of God can easily lead people to the notion that life, the world, existence, etc., is perfectly capable of going on without God. That God becomes, in a sense, in essence, optional. That God may or may not exist. Great effort, then, is often spent trying to prove that God exists, which can, of course, fail miserably. But what if that isn't the way that things really are? What if that isn't reality? What if God really isn't an outsider ever on the outside looking in? What if the biblical worldview is a more accurate worldview of the way that things are, how the world works? The universe is held together because God is speaking right now. In this moment, the voice of God thunders. What if that's how close God really is? God is always with us. It's what we celebrate during Christmas, the coming of who? Emmanuel, God, with us. What a, what a reality. It's a reality that means God is with us now and will always be with us through anything and everything we go through in every single moment of every single day through sickness, health, failure, success, conflict, peace, God with us, close, intimate, now.
here in this moment. The same power of God's voice that brought the universe into being, into existence, is continuously being made manageable for us. Giving us strength and resources beyond our own capabilities. Which, of course, begs a question. Begs lots of questions, actually. If that's true, if it is the case that God really is that close, that God really is always present, if it is the case that God's voice, still speaking subversively underneath the surface, holding all things together, your life, my life, then how do we pay attention to it? How do we pay attention to the presence of the voice in our lives now, here, in this moment? How do we follow the voice? How do we get into the flow of whatever the voice is saying? Now, there are lots of ways that our tradition tells us we can tap into this. This is one of them, the Bible. It is the record of people looking back on their lives and looking back on their deep tradition and heritage of people back then struggling with the presence of the divine, and it's remembering, oh, this is how God moved. This is how God showed up. And maybe that's a good thing for us to do too. Maybe we start listening to this voice by starting where, starting where the, the poet starts. Where does the poet start? In verse 1 and 2, ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Now that word ascribe is important. We hear it three times. We hear the voice of the Lord described seven times, and now we get this three times, both numbers that are sort of denote wholeness and completeness. So this, this word ascribe is important. Three times it's repeated. It means to assign. It means to give back to. We are encouraged to give back to God glory and strength. Did God lose glory and strength somehow and we've got it and now we have to give it back? Sort of. When God created the world, created existence, at the beginning of all things, boom, an awesome display of glory and strength. And now we give back, we give that back to God. So giving back glory and strength to God actually helps us pay attention to the voice today. Ascribing to the Lord the glory due his name. Ascribing gives us an opportunity to just take a peek back in our lives, to look at our own history, our own wrestling, our own wondering, our own walk with the divine. And how has God's presence influenced us back then in the past? Ascribing gives us an opportunity to reflect on God's presence in our lives. Because oftentimes in the moment, it's really hard, isn't it? It's really hard to see. Sometimes it's really hard to, to hear the voice of God. And it's only in looking back that we can say, oh, that's how God worked. That's what happened back then. I felt God here, and I moved into that flow. Like, look back on your life. 
Look back on your life. How did you get through the really hard times? Maybe have a conversation over lunch with whomever you're eating. How did you get, how did you get through that really hard time? That strength you found, where did it come from? Who showed up? Who was there? Who walked with you? That moment when you showed a little bit of extra courage to do what needed to be done, even though you were going to face some consequences to it, but you knew it was the right thing. Where did you find that courage? Where did it come from? That moment in your life when you learned something new about how the world works and you had to change your mind about something, where did you get the courage to do that? to say something about it. That moment back then when you, when you found the courage to speak up for a group of people and to speak out, where did you get the courage and the strength to do that? Where did that come from? What did it, what did it feel like? And on and on and on. Look back. Remember those things. And by remembering them, you ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Think of it like this. It's almost like looking in the rearview mirror, right? Ever notice how often you look in, how many of us drive, right? Pretty good number of us. Have you ever noticed how often you look in your rearview mirror? Just notice on your drive home today, how often you look in the rearview mirror. That thing is indispensable. I don't know what I would do without that rectangular reflector, right? I don't know. I look at it all the time. And when you look in the rearview mirror, your view at best is limited. You don't get to see everything. But even though you can't see everything, you have just enough information to make good choices about how you're moving forward. Switching lanes, putting a little more distance between the car, you and the car behind you, looking backward, helps you move forward. Ascribe to the Lord. The glory do his name. Friends, I think that's what we have going on here. In fact, I think that's what, this whole, that's what we have going on in this whole book. It's looking back and it's like, oh, that's what God did. Right? And when we look back on our lives and see how God has moved in us and through us and with us and for us back then, we can make good decisions about how to move forward now in this moment with faithfulness. It becomes easier for us to see what God is doing in our lives now because we know what to look for. We know to look for things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. We know what the voice sounds like. We know what the voice has produced in the past. How is God producing that in the present? It becomes easier for us to listen to the voice now because we know what to listen for. We know what the voice sounds like. Friends, the fact that God's voice is always reverberating throughout creation, it's just another reminder of God's unending faithfulness to us. Unending. So why not just take some time and reflect? Today, take some time. Reflect on how the voice has held your life together. 
how God has showed up for you in the past, what kind of fruit was manifested in your life because of the presence of God? It might just help you recognize where God might be speaking to you today, here, in this moment. And maybe that will help all of us make good decisions about how we move forward. Let's pray.